0: plushcare.com slash weight loss this episode contains distressing themes profanity and descriptions of violence this podcast is intended for a mature audience listener caution is advised It was cold and wet in Clahoe County, Tyrone, Northern Ireland. As the sun was starting to rise over McRae Park on the morning of February 9th, 2019, a couple began their walk to work through a narrow alleyway. On their journey, their eyes scanned the ground. Something unexpected was ahead a man lying face down on the floor. He was inadequately dressed for a winter's morning and his clothes were not as they should be. He had no top on and his shorts and underwear were bunched up around his knees. The couple got near him to assess the man's condition when they noticed he was severely bruised and had a large wound to the top of his back. There was no evidence that the stranger was alive. No slow rise and fall of the stomach or chest, not even a hint of cold morning air visible from his mouth. While one of the pair called for an ambulance, another rang a neighbour to tell them what they had found. That neighbour wasted no time in getting to the alleyway. She looks at the deceased man and immediately recognised him as a local who lived on the estate.
1: I cannot actually put into words. I really cannot put into words how difficult this has been. A very, very, very good person, very, very nice person. Very good husband, very good dad. Adored me, adored his kids, adored his whole family. I just can't understand how two people like this could be so cruel and to do something like this to another human being.
0: Welcome to Season 8, Episode 24 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. 30-year-old Pat Ward and his family were relatively new to the area. He had moved to Clocher from County Sligo with his wife Ellen and their four children, 10-year-old Tom, 8-year-old Leonie, 3-year-old Shanara, and 15-month-old Pat Jr. Pat was a member of the traveller community and a champion boxer who went by the nickname Big Bang. On the night of February 8th, 2019, Pat had been out with a friend who lived nearby while Ellen and their four children were at home. At some point that evening, Pat's parents called at the house and Ellen phoned her husband to tell him they were there. Pat returned a short time later at around 6pm and while chatting with his parents, he asked Ellen to run to the shop to get him some beer and cigarettes. Ellen could tell Pat was drunk because he had fallen over, but he wanted to carry on drinking. Deciding to continue the party elsewhere, Pat gathered up his phone cigarettes and beer before setting off to see a friend. Ellen expected Pat to be home at some point that night but as the hours passed, she became concerned for her husband. Unable to sleep and dressed in her pyjamas, she left the house at around 4.40am, calling at the home of one of Pat's friends. The friend hadn't seen Pat for a while and suggested to Ellen that he might have been arrested. Ellen considered that Pat could have gone out with another friend, someone who was also from Sligo, Niall Cox. She learned that Cox lived across the road, so she traipsed over in the cold. Before Ellen even knocked on the front door, it swung open. She was greeted by Niall Cox. Ellen asked Cox if he knew where her husband was. Before she could get an answer, someone else interjected. A woman in a green nightdress came into the hallway, navigating scattered clothing littered on the floor. It was Niall Cox's girlfriend, Karen MacDonald. In a hostile manner, she abruptly stopped the conversation from going any further. Who the fuck do you think you are? Get out of my house. Ellen was taken aback by MacDonald's tone and the thought crossed her mind that Pat was there and his friends were covering for him so he could continue drinking. Ellen asked if Pat was hiding upstairs, and Macdonald said, I've got two kids upstairs. Who do you think I am to have Pat Ward in my house? I have a 12 and 13 year old here. Macdonald's partner interjected and told Ellen, He's not here. Honest to God, he's not here. In fact, Niall Cox explained they hadn't been drinking with Pat, but he had called over for a short time. Pat's friend described him as being off his head and stone mad. Ellen asked if they knew where Pat went, and Karen Macdonald told her he had left getting a taxi to Enniskillen. As Ellen turned to leave, she asked Cox and MacDonald if they would pop over and let her know if they saw Pat or learned of his whereabouts. Karen MacDonald said she would and told Ellen she was welcome to call over for a cup of tea. Ellen Ward had been gone only a few minutes, so she rushed back across the road to her home where her children were sleeping. She couldn't shake the feeling that something terrible had happened to her husband. She remembered what his friend had said, that Pat might have been picked up by the police, so Ellen called the station to see if he had been arrested. He hadn't. Pat's phone was ringing and ringing, but he didn't answer. Describing what happened next, Ellen later told a reporter from the Sunday Life newspaper. My neighbour called me and asked if I'd heard from Pat, and told me the alleyway was a crime scene. I thought maybe Pat had done something he shouldn't have. Ellen waited for her husband to walk through the door, but the only people to arrive at her home were detectives. They broke the news that Pat Ward had been found dead in the alleyway. Ellen recounted, I heard that a body had been found, and they believed it was my husband. It was the worst news of my life. It was so devastating to have to go and identify my husband's body in the morgue at such a young age. I was told he had been stabbed. Emergency workers had pronounced Pat Ward dead at the scene. It was obvious that he had been the victim of a horrific assault, and there were numerous injuries to his face and upper body. A murder inquiry was immediately launched by the PSNI's major investigation team. Detective Chief Inspector Peter McKenna spoke to the local press in the wake of the crime. The officer appealed to anyone who was in the McRae Park area the previous night or in the early hours to come forward with any information that could assist investigators. As officers began door-to-door inquiries, forensic officers discovered a plastic bag in a nearby field that contained clothing and trainers heavily stained with blood. The clothes were also wet. It was probable that the last people to see Pat Ward alive were 33-year-old Karen McDonald and 23-year-old Niall Cox, so the pair were brought in for questioning. CCTV footage from the area was seized, and investigators saw Pat Ward being dragged into the alleyway by Niall Cox. After obtaining a search warrant for their home, it was cordoned off and forensic technicians went inside looking for evidence that a crime was committed in the property. They didn't have to look far, as bloodstains were found throughout the home, on the walls, ceilings, and door frames. Inside the washing machine, investigators found more bloodstained clothing, and a further search of the property turned up a number of items, including a machete, a barbell, a hatchet, and a broken wooden shaft. After Pat Ward's body was identified by his wife, Ellen, the post-mortem was conducted by Professor Jack Crane. The pathologist noted several injuries to Pat's face, including abrasions, bruising, and lacerations. He had stab wounds to his right ear, cheek, and shoulder, a deep cut on the left side of his head, an inverted V-shape injury to his forehead and multiple broken ribs. Pat had also sustained a number of defensive stab wounds to his arms. Professor Crane concluded that Pat had been a victim of a sustained assault and had been beaten and cut with multiple weapons. Pat Ward's murder was not the first tragedy to befall his family. He was one of Tom and Bridgie Ward's 13 children who were all raised in Sligo. In the early hours of August 13th, 2007, Pat's 23-year-old brother, Thomas Jr., was attacked close to his parents' home on Joe McDonald Drive. Thomas had just dropped off his pregnant wife Cleona and two-year-old daughter at home and was on his way to his parents, when a Ford Focus pulled up and four men wearing balaclavas jumped out. The masked men pulled Thomas out of his transit van and hit him in the back of the head with what was believed to be a bladed weapon like a slash hook or a hatchet. The Ford Focus sped off but in his haste the driver crashed into a wall. The vehicle could still be driven, so the culprits managed to make their escape. Thomas's family members had heard the commotion from inside their home. They went outside to find Thomas lying on the road, bleeding profusely from a severe head wound. Their guttural screams upon finding him alerted the neighbours, who immediately called emergency services. Thomas was rushed to Sligo General Hospital soon after 1am, but he succumbed to his injuries five hours later. Neighbours recalled Thomas Ward Jr. as being close to his parents and a skilled boxer. A spokesperson for the Guardi announced that they believed the murder was connected to a feud between two traveller families but they were also keeping an open mind about the motive behind the attack. In the days after Thomas's murder, the Guardi interviewed a man named Michael Sweeney. Sweeney had been in possession of a set of keys that were determined to fit the Ford Focus suspected of being used during the commission of the crime. There was not enough evidence to charge Sweeney in relation to the murder, but he was eventually charged with failing to disclose information about a very serious crime. His legal counsel challenged the charge and claimed it was unconstitutional to obligate someone who is suspected of a serious crime to provide information to the authorities. The High Court had agreed with the defence's argument that the charge went against a person's right to remain silent. But in 2019, the Supreme Court of Ireland overturned their decision. A murder trial never went ahead, and when a second member of the Ward family was killed 12 years after Thomas, Pat's loved ones were determined to get justice. His wife Ellen spoke to a correspondent for the Belfast Telegraph on February 11th, just two days after Pat was killed. She said, Pat was a loving, caring husband and father who adored his kids, his wife and his family. He was my soulmate. Due to this ordeal, my kids will grow up without a father, and I will live the rest of my life without a husband. It's so sad that he has lost his life in such a brutal way. I feel that I am still in a dream, and I haven't woken up yet. Ellen described how their eldest children were heartbroken and Pat's parents were struggling to accept that another of their sons had been taken from them through violence. Ellen stated, Pat missed his brother so much and he used to talk about him every day. He was robbed of his life. He had so many plans for his future. He loved his family, his kids, his brothers and sisters. This has changed our lives. Ellen Ward and the children felt they had no choice but to leave their home in McCrae Park. She explained that there were too many memories there, and when she walked out of her front door she could see the alleyway where Pat had been lying for hours. Ellen said, I would appeal to anyone who saw anything to come forward to the police. I want to get justice. During the days that followed the discovery of Pat Ward's body in the alleyway close to their home, Niall Cox and his partner Karen MacDonald were questioned. On February 12th, they were brought to Dungannon Magistrates Court, where they were charged with murder. The public gallery was packed with over 50 members of Pat Ward's family. Fearing the bereaved in the public gallery would retaliate, a line of a dozen PSNI officers stood between the rows of seating and the front of the courtroom. When MacDonald and Cox were led into the court, some of Pat's family stood up and others called out at the alleged murderers. Presiding over the hearing, District Judge John Meehan warned the onlookers, ''I will clear this court if people don't respect the fact this is a court.'' There will be no breach of the peace here. As the charges were read aloud, audible sobs could be heard from Pat's family. His wife Ellen was seated beside the dock next to a police liaison officer, who sat in front of Pat's inconsolable mother. Ellen was visibly distraught, but bravely stared down the pair accused of killing her husband. As she left the court at the end of the hearing, Ellen held a framed photograph of Pat close to her chest and told reporters, This is a pain that will never go away. That weekend, Ellen Ward spoke with a correspondent for the Sunday Life. She revealed that Niall Cox wasn't someone Pat had met after they moved to Klocher from Sligo. He was someone Pat had known for years. Helen said. Pat and Niall grew up together. They were teenage friends. They used to play in the streets in Sligo, and they knew each other like the back of their hands. Pat's mother was a second mother to Niall. What they had, he had in terms of food and clothing. To be honest and to be truthful, I wish it was someone who I'd never met who was arrested for this. For someone who knew Pat and knew the family so well, to be arrested is horrible. He was like family to us and was treated that way. Ellen described her heartbreak that her youngest son, Pat Jr., who was only 14 months old, would be too young to remember his father. Ellen also explained that their youngest daughter, three-year-old Shinara, believed her father was on a boat to England. Their eldest daughter, eight-year-old Leonie, kept asking, When are we going to see Daddy? Pat's widow mourned not only for the loss of her husband, but for all the things Pat would miss. Leonie's communion, a planned trip to Dubai, and a future as a boxing champion for their son, Tom. Ellen was trying to remain resilient for her children's sake but she was finding it hard to cope without her husband. Pat's youngest brother Terence, who called him Big Bang, also spoke to a reporter for Sunday Life about their loss. Referring to Pat as his best friend, Terence said, Big Bang will never be replaced. He was one of a kind, a true legend who lived life the way he wanted to, and I'm happy he did that. He was the sort of man who'd said, live for today because tomorrow might never come. That was his attitude and the way he looked at things. He lived life to the fullest. Pat Ward's funeral was held at St Anne's Church in Sligo on February 22, 2019. His aluminium casket was decorated in the Irish tricolour flag and transported to the church through his hometown past his parents' old house on Joe Macdonald Drive. Members of Pat's family carried the casket past the rows of Mourners before placing it at the altar next to floral wreaths spelling out brother, father and son. A framed Manchester United jersey sat next to photographs of Pat and his loved ones as Father Lombard delivered the eulogy. The priest spoke about the strong family bonds that bound the travelling community together and the shock and sadness they all felt over Pat's death. Pat's parents and widow were told there was no greater pain than the one they had experienced. Mourners were reminded of the fragility of life. Father Lombard said, ''From the womb to the tomb, our lives are precious.'' Our dignity as individuals can never be measured by the house we live in, by the car we drive or the job we have. Our true value as human beings comes from just being who we are. At the end of the service, Pat's casket was brought to Ballymote Cemetery. A horse-drawn carriage transported loved ones to the gravesite as they said their final goodbyes. Mourners wore white t-shirts emblazoned with a photograph of Pat, and they had similar t-shirts calling for justice as the legal proceedings slowly got underway. A week before Pat Ward's funeral, a man who had CCTV footage of Pat's body being dragged into the alleyway was arrested for withholding evidence when the footage was shared on social media. The man had approached a neighbour on the morning that Pat's body was discovered to tell him what he had seen on his camera. When the neighbour suggested the footage be passed to the police, the man said he didn't want to get involved. A year later, a committal hearing was held after there were concerns over the delays in bringing the case to trial. The solicitor for the accused told the judge that it had only been a day since they had received information about the evidence and were not ready to proceed. Once again, over 50 members of Pat's family were in the public gallery, much like they had been for each hearing since Karen MacDonald and Niall Cox were charged. Four months later, in June 2020, Karen MacDonald entered a not guilty plea. In November of that year, Niall Cox appeared at Belfast Crown Court via video link for a plea hearing. When asked how he would plead to the charge of murdering Pat Ward on February 9, 2019, Cox replied, Not guilty. During this time, COVID-19 restrictions would impact most criminal cases. Karen McDonald's barrister, Desmond Fahey KC had told the judge that he had not been able to meet with his client. This was due to the restrictions implemented at the prison where she had been on remand. Mr Justice O'Hara, who was presiding over the pre-trial hearing, said... The prisons have been successful in keeping COVID out, which is essential, but an impact of this is that lawyers are not getting in to consult with their clients. Particularly in a murder case, you need to see your client face-to-face before you can make any progress.
1: In four weeks, the typical noon user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host.
0: After years of delays, Karen McDonald's trial finally began on January 10th, 2023. But just a week later, the jury were discharged due to an undisclosed legal issue. A new set of legal proceedings began on February 7th. Niall Cox had changed his plea to guilty in June 2022, but this information had only been revealed once the jury was sworn in to avoid prejudice. Prosecutor John Orr Casey told the jury that Pat Ward had been drinking with a neighbour on the night he was killed. When things wound down at the neighbor's home, he walked across the road to Karen McDonald and Niall Cox's address. CCTV footage captured the friends and McDonald leaving the property together a few moments later to go and buy some more alcohol. Once they were back from the shop, Pat dropped by his home for a few minutes before socialising with McDonald and Cox. Around 90 minutes after Pat's wife Ellen had called in to see if Pat was at their home, McDonald and Cox were captured by a CCTV camera dragging Pat's body out of the property. McDonald was seen holding Pat's legs while Cox pulled him by the arms, but only briefly before she rushed back into the house. The prosecutor informed the jury that Niall Cox had admitted murdering Pat Ward, so they would have to decide if Karen McDonald was also guilty. Detectives involved in the investigation testified about interviewing the defendant. Karen MacDonald, who was considered vulnerable and had an appropriate adult in her interviews, had been questioned a total of 18 times while in police custody. A solicitor was also present. MacDonald was asked what had happened to Pat Ward, and she asked the police what Cox had told them. She also said... It's up to Niall to tell you. The detectives queried what MacDonald knew, and she replied, I know I was scared. MacDonald didn't respond when asked if she was protecting Cox or acting out of loyalty to him. When the detectives told her about the injuries Pat Ward had sustained, suggesting it was horrendous how someone could do that to another human being, MacDonald agreed. However, when asked if she thought someone with information should speak to the police, she simply said, no comment. As MacDonald was being questioned, detectives learned that she had been hospitalised on a number of occasions for injuries they believed were inflicted by her partner, including a fractured jaw, a black eye, facial bruising, and broken ribs. According to hospital records, Niall Cox was always with her when she attended the emergency department and she would always claim that she had been injured in a fall. A detective told the court that this was common in domestic abuse situations. Karen MacDonald didn't speak about the incidents in the interviews, but she asked a detective, Are you going to save me from going to jail? Are you going to be my fairy tale ending? The detective responded, inquiring if she was out of her depth. Macdonald asked if he would pull her out. The detective told Macdonald to tell them if someone was violent, and she replied, I know you want to know. I feel sorry for that man's wife and children. I haven't stopped thinking about them. I wish that man was living. The court heard from a forensic expert who had analysed evidence found in Karen McDonald and Niall Cox's home and on MacDonald's person. Traces of Pat Ward's blood were coating some of her hair when she was arrested. There was visible damage to the door in the living room and Niall Cox's DNA was found in that area. Bloodstains noted in a bedroom on the wall, ceiling and doorframe were confirmed to belong to Pat Ward, and blood on a mop and in a bucket in the bath were also confirmed through DNA to be a match to Pat. His blooded clothing was discovered inside McDonald's washing machine, and the clothing found in a plastic bag in a field near the house was confirmed to be Pat Ward's Manchester United jersey. Pat's DNA was also recovered from a barbell, along with a machete and a broken wooden shaft that were found in the house. Dark stains on a pair of Cox's trainers were confirmed to be Pat's blood, with the forensic expert testifying that whoever wore the trainers was in direct contact, possibly by kicking, causing an injury which bled. This evidence was corroborated by Professor Jack Crane, who conducted the post-mortem on Pat's remains. The professor told the court, The victim died as a result of injuries. He'd been beaten, kicked and stabbed. He had been struck a number of times to the head with a heavy, blunt, elongated object, causing lacerations to the scalp and bleeding over the surface of the brain. There was extensive blood loss which, combined with the head and chest injuries, were responsible for the rapid but not immediate death. Professor Crane was of the belief that Pat had survived for at least 30 minutes after the severe head injuries were inflicted and a significant degree of force was used to inflict those injuries utilising a multitude of weapons. The pathologist believed the pattern on the barbell was consistent with the marks he saw on Pat's body. There were drag marks found on his legs from being pulled across the ground and slash marks on his skin from a sharp object. The stab wounds and lacerations to his face and head were believed to have been inflicted with a machete found in Cox and McDonald's home. The wounds on Pat's arms were thought to have been caused when he tried to defend himself. In the second week of the trial, the jury were informed that they would now be offered two alternative charges of manslaughter and assisting an offender. Karen MacDonald, who had pleaded not guilty to all the charges took the stand in her own defence. She told the court that Pat Ward had arrived at the home she shared with Niall Cox on the night of February 8, 2019, after socialising with another friend who lived nearby. According to the defendant, Pat had a cut on his forehead when he arrived. MacDonald told the court... He took his shirt off and asked me to wash it as he didn't want his wife to see blood on it in case she thought he'd been fighting. MacDonald claimed that Pat and Cox were drinking together when Ellen Ward began walking up the driveway searching for her husband. The accused told the court that Pat ran upstairs before the door was answered and MacDonald heard Cox tell Ellen that Pat wasn't there. Macdonald admitted to lying to Ellen Ward about having children in the house at the time and lying about Pat leaving in a taxi to Enniskillen. I was completely off guard, Macdonald said, but Niall told her lies and I had to go with this. I had to back it up. If I didn't, he would have went mad with me. That would have involved violence and torment. MacDonald admitted that she had invited Ellen over for tea sometime and explained, I would have told her. It was just the fear of what would happen. After Ellen left, MacDonald claimed that Pat came back downstairs to the living room where she was sitting. Cox was in the kitchen at the time. The defendant explained, Pat walked over and leaned down to me. I thought he was trying to kiss me, but he was drunk, so I told him to fuck off. He sort of intimidated me. I was freaked out. According to MacDonald, Niall Cox then walked into the living room and asked what was happening. She claimed that Pat hit Cox in the face, causing him to stumble backwards, but Cox then steadied himself and lunged at Pat. McDonald said, It was a physical fight. I went upstairs because I was scared. Niall was on top of Pat. He got the better of him punching and punching and punching. In Karen McDonald's account she described going upstairs, but when she returned she found Pat sitting against a wall bleeding from his head. Macdonald told the court, I asked if he was okay. Niall asked what the fuck I was talking to him for and told me to get the fuck back upstairs. Cox then allegedly began pulling Pat towards the front door, and McDonald asked Cox what was wrong with Pat. According to McDonald, Cox told her Pat was unconscious before he continued dragging Pat down the front steps out of the house. McDonald testified. Pat was making moaning noises. He was trying to talk. I didn't want him getting dragged. There was no talking to Niall by this stage, so I voluntarily lifted Pat's legs. I believed he was going home. I meant him no harm. If anything, I was trying to help him. MacDonald was asked who or what had prevented her from helping Pat, and she replied, Niall Cox. He told me to get the fuck back in the house and I did. He'd probably have done the same to me or worse. I thought Pat would go home. I never thought he'd be in an alleyway. I should have helped him. I should have rung an ambulance. I should have rung police. I know that. Karen Macdonald described her relationship with Cox as abusive, and she was petrified of the violent and unpredictable way he acted towards her. She said, Every single time I tried to intervene with what Niall Cox was doing, I got seriously hurt. I just couldn't do it no more. I couldn't be hurt no more. I was under his control. MacDonald recalled the various incidents where Cox had beaten her so badly that she required medical treatment and said he always came with her. Describing how she attended a follow-up appointment with a nurse about a jaw fracture inflicted by Cox, MacDonald said that a nurse had commented on a black eye that she had. The defendant stated, She knew. She just knew. Karen McDonald denied being involved in Pat Ward's murder or assisting Cox in trying to clean up the scene. She said she had no idea how Pat's clothing ended up in a field and she had not used the mop and bucket found to contain Pat's blood. As Karen McDonald's testimony came to an end, Mr Justice Fowler told the jury they had to consider that not helping Pat Ward, leaving him outside in the cold with serious injuries could amount to gross negligence manslaughter. The judge also told the jurors that acting under duress, such as in a domestic violence situation could not be used as a defence to murder, but it could be applied to the alternative charges of assisting an offender and manslaughter. In his closing statement, prosecutor John Orr KC highlighted that despite McDonald's claims that she was terrified of Niall Cox, she had never reported his violence to the police. The prosecutor said that a CCTV camera had captured her holding Pat's legs as Cox dragged him towards the alleyway. Although she had let go after a few seconds, she left Pat to be carried away knowing he was seriously injured. John O'Casey Casey reminded jurors of things MacDonald had said to Ellen Ward when she came looking for Pat earlier that night, including telling her she had two children upstairs and that Pat had left in a taxi. The prosecutor asked the jury to consider why she would lie to the victim's wife if she was not concealing something. In response, Defence Barrister Desmond Fahey KC said, You don't need to be a solicitor, barrister, or judge to see what's going on here. Niall Cox murdered Pat Ward. Karen McDonald did not, and there is no evidence to support a conviction. Fahey argued that the evidence against Cox was overwhelming, and he had admitted the murder. The chain of guilt tightened, but that's not the case against my client. There's a black hole of evidence. She's not connected to any weapon, and there's no evidence she assaulted the victim. Referring to the blood found in McDonald's hair, Desmond Fahy Casey suggested that the blood could have been transferred from her hands to her hair when she touched her head after she carried Pat's legs. He also argued that Macdonald was under Cox's control and acted out of fear. Desmond Fahey KC, told the jury, Male violence is the dark, disgusting cloud hanging over this. I won't use the term domestic violence. It sugarcoats it. It's violence no matter where or by whom. She told this court she had been run into the ground and had nothing left to give. It's not good enough to suggest she was playing the victim card. She was a victim of Niall Cox. But there's only one victim in this trial, and that is Pat Ward, who was murdered by Niall Cox. The jury was sent out to deliberate on February 22nd, 2023, and after two hours they returned with a decision. Sitting directly in front of Pat Ward's family, Karen Macdonald cried quietly as the verdicts were read aloud. Macdonald was found not guilty of murder and assisting an offender, but guilty of manslaughter. As Macdonald was being led from the courtroom back into custody, Mr Justice Fowler expressed his thanks to Pat Ward's family for their dignified conduct throughout the harrowing proceedings. In the wake of the verdict, Ellen Ward spoke to a reporter for the Sunday Life newspaper, explaining that she would not be able to look at the people responsible for her husband's death, even if they were offering an apology. Ellen said, They destroyed my whole life, my kids' lives, our entire family and his parents' lives. Apologising would never bring him back. It's irrelevant to me how long they spend in jail because Pat is never coming back, but they don't deserve to ever be allowed to walk the streets or be free in society again. I could never imagine a person going through this pain that we are carrying every day. If you let them out, they could do it to somebody else. Ellen described how she still hadn't accepted Pat's death and was afraid she would never be able to. She told the paper, We will spend the rest of our lives full of emptiness about someone that's gone. And for what reason? We don't know. We will never get over it. It's four years later and here we are still trapped in 2019. We've been trapped there since it happened, and we as a family have never moved forward from then. So where are we now? After Niall Cox and Karen MacDonald were convicted in relation to Pat Ward's murder, it emerged that they had both been on bail at the time he was killed. Niall Cox was a known violent offender, and on February 6, 2019, Cox was arrested and brought to Enniskillen Magistrates Court for an alleged breach of bail conditions. Concerned about Cox's release status... The lead officer involved in the case told the court. Police do not feel he can be managed in the community. The level of violence is increasing. Cox's barrister said that his client was suffering from poor mental health and addiction issues and being in prison would inhibit him from getting the help he needed. District Judge Michael Ranahan imposed strict bail conditions with a curfew and a requirement that Cox had to go to his GP within 48 hours for a referral to mental health professionals. The officer who highlighted that Cox had breached his original bail conditions implored the judge to remand Cox into custody, saying, it's only a matter of time before he kills someone. The judge dismissed this plea. And Niall Cox killed Pat Ward less than three days later. Karen MacDonald had also been on bail at the time of her arrest. She too had been accused of a violent crime, but the trial for that offence was put on hold while she was on trial for Pat Ward's murder. Four months after being convicted of manslaughter, McDonald pleaded guilty to assaulting a woman and breaking a window in the victim's home in May 2018. Niall Cox and Karen McDonald were brought to Dungannon Crown Court for a pre-sentence hearing on September 18th, 2023. By this point, both of the defendants had spent four years on remand. Cox's barrister told the court that Pat Ward's murder was a catastrophe and Cox was genuinely remorseful for what had happened. As it turns out, Niall Cox and Karen MacDonald had been introduced to each other through the Ward family. Cox had grown up with Pat's loved ones and he claimed that he couldn't put into words how sorry he was. Trying to provide some mitigating circumstances, Cox's legal counsel said that his client was under the influence of drugs and alcohol at the time he killed Pat Ward. Karen McDonald's barrister said that she too was profoundly sorry and accepted that she should have done more by calling for help. Two days later, Karen MacDonald and Niall Cox were brought back to Dungannon Crown Court to be sentenced. They stood together in the dock with officers between them. Mr Justice Fowler commended Ellen Ward for her bravery and the composed and compelling way in which she testified. He said, I can only imagine how difficult this was and still is for you. It has impacted every aspect of your life, your children's, and your wider families. No sentence I can impose will replace the void of a much-loved husband, father, son, and brother. I can only hope the concluding of these proceedings brings some level of closure. Referring to the actions of Niall Cox, the judge said that he had not only violently attacked Pat Ward but also degraded him by stripping off his clothes and leaving him in an alleyway. I am satisfied he engaged in a brutal attack using a number of weapons. I am satisfied the viciousness and persistence of the attack meant his intention was to kill the victim. I am not satisfied he acted in self-defense, nor was he provoked to any great degree. The only mitigator was the guilty plea which came late and after a trial date had been fixed. It was noted Cox was on bail for serious matters at the time of the murder and has not responded to previous sentences and the consumption of alcohol and drugs were rejected as reasons for his behaviour. Mr Justice Fowler ordered Niall Cox to serve at least 20 years in prison. Speaking about Karen MacDonald, who had been convicted of manslaughter, the judge said that MacDonald was aware of the severity of the attack and did nothing to assist Pat Ward. She showed a callous and supreme indifference to this dying man's plight. A contention that she believed he would get up and walk home to get help was disingenuous and a pathetic lie. I am satisfied she was involved in a clean-up to hide evidence. Karen MacDonald was sentenced to ten years, half of which was to be served in custody and the remaining half on licence, meaning she had only months left in prison as she had already spent four years behind bars. Ellen and Pat Ward's eldest children held up an Irish flag outside the court as PSNI Detective Inspector Claire McGarvey provided a statement. Well, I hope today, today's outcome offers some degree of closure to Pat's family. I'm mindful that it will not
1: take away their heartache or their sadness. Their worlds have been torn apart
0: and my thoughts and that of the team are with them. I'm going to read a statement on behalf of Ellen Ward, Pat's wife. Pat was my husband and my entire world. He was the most loving family man who simply idealised our four children, Tom, Leonie, Shannara and Pat Jr. When Pat was murdered, my life was shattered. I lost the love of my life and the way in which he died will haunt me forever. I can't begin to understand how anyone could inflict such brutality such cruelty upon another, another living being. Feeling conflicted, Ellen Ward spoke directly to the press about Karen MacDonald's sentence. She said, I feel that on one account I've got justice and on another I haven't. I've been going through this for four and a half years and she will now be out in a few months. Concluding her statement, Ellen added... We're trying to get on with our lives, but it honestly breaks my heart that Pat isn't here. He won't be around to see their birthdays and to celebrate each Christmas. He isn't here with me to watch them grow up. I am relieved that today's sentence has finally been passed, and I am truly grateful to all who played a part in the process. But it won't, of course, bring my husband back. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com.
1: Thank